Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with the Witherslack Group, experts in special education and care, and John Cat Educational, leading publishers of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at schools in the UK and beyond. Enjoy the podcast. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to The Late Show on Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, Delighted uh, that everybody is here for this one. Uh, Our questions tonight focus around Oak National Academy um, and the future of Oak National Academy, uh, particularly in light of a letter that was sent by a group of individuals to uh, Gillian Keegan uh, this last week. Um, about Oak, uh, mostly complaining about it. So in the first half of the show tonight, I've got Mary Baustead and I've got Caroline Wright, who's also going to be joining us. Just to give people who don't know and are sort of listening to this for the first time a little bit of background on Oak and what Oak is. Um, Oak National Academy was set up during the COVID pandemic Um as a sort of, I guess, like a one-stop shop of resources, particularly video resources for teachers who were teaching during the pandemic. So we're going back now, sort of 2020 time. Matthew Hood was the principal, and it was set up as an all-in-one package of curriculum resources aimed at teachers during the pandemic. That was its original sort of form. And more or less, it's it's kind of stuck to that. But obviously, since 2020, um, things have developed further. It's obviously coming out of the pandemic. Oak then needed to secure its future, its funding, its model. And that's where the debate has come in around what Oak should be, how it should be funded, who should control it, and so on and so forth. So that's sort of where we're up to with, with Oak National Academy. The government, the DFE, have agreed to fund Oak and it's become sort of an arm's length body uh, with with funding from, from the government, I believe. it's. I mean, I've read different sort of articles that have stated different things on this, but that's sort of where I think we're at with it. Now, there are those who criticise Oak. We're going to talk to two of those people in a second. Um, I've requested Mary in as a speaker. I'll also request Caroline in as well. Um, And we're going to be speaking to them in the first half of the show. They both, in their letter, which was a very sort of strongly worded letter, uh, directed at the Education Secretary, and specifically... It called essentially for the defunding of Oak National Academy. Now, when we put the tweets out about this show, uh, we got a mix of responses. We got people who were saying Oak is really useful for us as teachers. Uh, We still use it. Uh, It's great. Uh, We got others who uh, were completely the opposite of that. Um, Let me read you. Just while we're we're waiting for Mary, I think Mary's joined now. Good evening, Mary. Good evening. Sorry, I'm learning new technology here. Hey, 
We, we all are. We all are. Um, let me just, before I ask you, sort of introduce you and let you talk for a bit, let me read you the letter, or certainly a bit of it, that you signed to the Education Secretary, if that's okay. Yeah. Uh, dear Gillian, we, we, we the undersigned, welcome you to your role as Secretary of State for Education. We wish to draw your attention as a matter of urgency to the decision taken by your predecessor to allocate £43 million of funding to the incorporation of Oak National Academy into an arm's length body in ALB. This funding decision was taken before the October fiscal event and subsequent increased pressure on the public purse. Following Thursday's autumn statement, we urge you and the Chancellor to invest this funding directly in schools rather than in the establishment of a new 80-person strong quango under the control of the ministers of the day. It goes on, if I can get my next bit of the letter, um, but it goes on to talk about a range of different issues around oak but that's the crux of it you want the funding to stop um and it says here we support the department for education's mission to reduce teacher workloads and to improve accessibility to high quality curriculum products yet in its present form oak will not achieve these ambitions and vital public funding will be wasted and then it talks about the fiscal challenges at the moment um and so on now Mary, can I ask you maybe just to tell, give, give us a little bit more information about this letter and where it's come from, and can you t can you sort of paint a picture for me around the, the, the key aspects of the letter? Well, the letters come from the signatories, uh, of which the NEU is one, Kevin and, my, uh, and myself are two of the signatories, but uh, we sign on behalf of the union. And the issue around the letter is our increasing concern that what was set up as um, uh, a means of helping teachers during COVID, particularly teaching online remote lessons, is being given significant is being given significant amounts of government funds in order to develop a curriculum in every core and foundation subject over a series of years. Um, we don't see that that is a good use of public funds. We have severe doubts about the uh, uh, suitability and quality of what will be produced on a very demanding timetable. But more than that, we have concerns about what could very quickly become um, a monopoly in resources that teachers use. Now, oh, or that teachers, you know, um, feel they must use. Now, Oak have denied that and the government's denied it. They're, they're talking very much about curriculum autonomy. But you have to see Oak within the context of um, uh, big forces which are acting together to constrain what teachers think they can do in the classroom. That's around the assessment system and the um, uh, both at primary and secondary, the, the, the accountability regime. It's also around what Ofsted is now moving to, which is Ofsted research, Ofsted curriculum research, which is highly contested, which is promoting a, a model of um, the application of cognitive science to subjects, much of which is deeply dubious. And um, then you've got the DfE coming in with um, DfE backed because the DfE are backing them with significant funds curriculum. So, uh, you know, uh, we think that there are worries about that and we think that 
Um, this should have been before Oak was given forty-three million pounds. We needed more research. There has been some research, but not enough on a the quality of the materials, b their use in the classroom, and c what are the possible effects of funding a model in this way. And we're not the only ones to share those concerns. There's, um, you know, uh, that can, those concerns are shared by a wide variety of educational institutions and organisations. Okay, thanks. I, I want to ask you, I want to dig in a little bit more into this sort of, because what you're kind of talking about there is pedagogy, is it not? You're talking about the, 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 the resources themselves and the way they are used in teaching. Would that be right? Mary, hello? Have I lost you? Maybe. Is Caroline there? Is anyone there? Hello, I'm here. It's Hello. Caroline. Hello. Hello. Hi Caroline. there. Yeah, I think I think Mary's dropped. Um, we'll 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 come back to Mary in a minute. Um, Caroline, you are the Director General of BISA, which is the British Educational Suppliers Association. Um, what's your gripe with Oak? <laughs> well, first of all, what I would say is. I'd like to say thank you to the teachers who put their hard work and efforts into Oak during the pandemic. I think it was a really valuable and vital resource during a time of national crisis. It was absolutely the right thing to do. And, you know, hats off to Ed Vanker from the Reach Foundation and the other multi-academy trust, John Coles, etc., who worked hard to make something get off the ground so quickly, um, much like other organisations who did that. So I don't have a problem with Oak from the sense of the work they did during the COVID pandemic, and nor do I have an issue with those resources that were paid for by the taxpayer effectively remaining available for teachers and pupils to use during, you know, snow days and home days. But what I do have an issue with, and our members are very worried about, is this politicisation of Oak and changing something that was right and good and really valuable during the pandemic into something to deliver a political ambition. The decision to move Oak from what it was, a, a collaborative um, group of individuals working effectively with industry and subject associations and others into a government quango that has an army of 80 uh, members of staff policing what's going to be used in the curriculum. It was unevidenced, it's unwanted when you went get onto the detail of who wants and needs it within the teaching community, as Mary was saying, and it's unfair because the government didn't follow due process when they set it up. So that's the issue that BISA um, has been trying to raise and trying to work with government to address. Uh, Mary, I don't know if you, you, you're still there. It sounds like you're having a fight in the kitchen at the moment. I hope everything's okay. Everything's fine. Can you hear me now? Yes, it, I can just hear a lot of pots and pans like, bashing over people's heads. Well, right, okay, I've moved, out from that. I've moved out from the sight of that, that wall that's going, going in the kitchen. <laughs> um, listen, I was going to ask you there before you dropped that, and Caroline, I'll come back to you in, in, in a few moments, but Mary, I was going to ask you about is, is one of your gripes with Oak, I, I want to sort of make absolutely clear from what you said to get that clarity, the pedagogy that it promotes, is that one of your issues? That is one of the issues. The other issue is the content of the Oak curriculum. We don't know what that will be. But the other issue is quality. I mean, they've been set a ridiculous timetable to get 
um, you know, curriculum materials throughout all the stages for the, the six subjects. Um, Yeah, I think you've dropped again there, Mary. Unfortunately, I don't know whether you're near Wi-Fi or, or oh, maybe you've come back. Hello. 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 You're just dropping in and out, Mary. I think. I'm I don't really know whether... sorry. Let me just try don't... to go somewhere else. Yeah, don't worry. I don't know where. Yeah, we, try and get as we... near to a router as possible. Yeah, um... well, you see, uh, the Wi-Fi is off at the moment because we're just changing our um, connector. Ah. Um, so anyhow, I'm now. Is that any better? Well, hopefully, we'll soon find yeah. out. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so go, go on, sorry, carry on. You were saying so, about... So, yeah, there, there are three things. Uh, there's concern about a um, DfE condoned pedagogy, uh, you know, uh, because Oak will be supposedly an arms body, but fully funded by the DfE. There's concern about the quality of the materials that they'll produce because it's an incredibly tight timescale. And there's concern about the content as well. It's not the DfE's job to um, finance the curriculum and pedagogy on this scale, it's just not their job. And that should be, and you know, that is with a profession which is already feels it has some of the lowest amount of control over the classroom, what happens in the classroom in the OECD. Um, I, I guess I want to ask you first of all, because you, you mentioned those three elements. So I want to mm. sort of try and break those down. So with regards to the, the style of it, I'm wondering what, would be if if you're going to produce digital content for teachers right so mm -hmm. digital content to help a teacher teach material um what i'm trying to work out is how that content could be produced differently from what it is now regardless of who it's created by let's sort of take who it's created by out for a minute and just say how would digital content be created to make it better in your view well i'm not an expert on that i'm sure there is a role for digital content absolutely i think we are in a digital age and teachers use that but i mean i think the pedagogy of um um digital content is very interesting and um it's quite, you know, that's why the, the scale of the rollout of Oak is really worrying. You, If you're going to do this, you would um, do it on a small scale, you would evaluate it properly, and then you would learn the lessons from that evaluation in order to build on with other subjects and other age phases. What's happening here is a massive rollout with insufficient um, consideration or indeed evaluation of what were the effects of, and, you know, what were the qualities and what were the, were the areas where Oak could have been a lot better. I mean, I, I totally get that. I think the bit I was trying to get out there was when you said style, because I think for me, the connotation I got from that was this idea of sort of a teacher sitting with a PowerPoint or a presentation or whatever it is, and almost sort of direct instruction um, in that sense for, for, you know, I mean, basically an oak lesson. Uh, as far as I can tell, most oak lessons consist of a period of direct instruction, some quizzing, uh, some retrieval, um, and additional resources to go alongside that. So I guess what I'm, what I'm, all I'm trying to say is, if the style, if that style isn't to the liking of whoever, the NEU or or anybody else, what, what, how, how, how do you change that style with digital content? Because in my head, it's like you'd need a whole, you'd need like AI or something 
you'd need like you'd need like a completely different radical platform or you know i'm not i'm not sure how a platform could provide something different to that if that makes sense and still have teachers creating the content well then if that is what oak is going to be a series of powerpointed lessons for teachers to use then one has to ask the question why we're spending 43 million pounds on it and um you know is that going to be value for money and is that going to be useful if that's the limit of pedagogy then we've got we're in problems aren't we yeah i mean i think that's i I mean for me that would be a, a point about quality rather than style i think for, for you you mentioned three things which was quality content style so yeah you know for me that was more i, w- I was just there concentrating more on the style element of what well, i well, guess well, the alternative then, well, well, is let me, well let me take that then if if what that is is powerpointed lessons which are delivered to pupils and then they go away and do their work um then there is there are problems about that pedagogy and the style of that pedagogy aren't there because, you know, there are many subjects where it is important that there is really good interaction between the teacher and the pupils. The pupils are able to work together. Uh, the advantages, perhaps, of group work and the advantages of uh, lesson styles, which incorporate different activities at different times. I mean, so if we're talking about style and you're talking about style, which is the delivery of PowerPoints, yeah. then I go back to my question. Why are we spending £43 million doing that? I mean, I think I think that's a slightly separate issue because I'm not sure, and this is me just personally talking here, and this isn't me talking as an expert in ed tech, but to provide a ed tech platform that would provide everything you just said in terms of the ability for students to work in groups online um, and to collaborate in an online environment, you have all sorts of issues there around safeguarding, around you know, all sorts of issues of how to create the platform. So, so why are we so why are we creating forty three million pounds for an online environment? Is this because there might be another pandemic? I mean, I mean, I think that's something that certainly I can I can put to. I mean, I've got representatives of Oak joining me in the second half of the show, Mary. So I'll I'll certainly put that put that point to them about the the finance behind it and and how it's spent. I do think that, uh, and again. I would sort of, you know, one question I would ask is teachers have sort of been involved in the creation of the content. Um, I believe that those teachers have been remunerated on some levels. So I think perhaps and and I perhaps think that if we and I have spoken to some of the teachers who've created the resources, they probably wouldn't see it as uh, just like, um, that they haven't put any more thought in it than here's a PowerPoint and I'm going to read off it. Well, I, w- so, I didn't say that. I didn't say they would. I was responding no. to your depiction d- depiction of what it might be and asking, well, if that is it, then is it forty three million pounds? I'm sure they wouldn't do that. But why do we need to? Why does that need DfE funding to the tune of forty three million pounds? Why has it been decided that all the subjects will be covered uh, without a proper um, evaluation of the work done? On a few subjects. I mean, why have we got this sort of massive rollout across every curriculum subject to the level of this funding when why aren't we taking a more measured approach? But do you think that there is value in having a central resource point 
for all teachers where they can go and get high quality resource and sort of curriculum guidance and even if it's just in a skeleton manner well you put the word you put the word high quality so there's two things going on there, isn't there? That it has well, to be well, I, I mean, I, they they would argue it's high quality. I mean, I'm not. Well, I'm sure they I, would. I'm sure they would. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I'm not one to be the auditor of that, but I mean, their their aim would be to produce a one stop shop for, you know, they would argue high quality curriculum resources and and to have one. I mean, if 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 to have that that sort of central pot, if you like, where any teacher can go and access something i mean that's free do you think there's value in that well it depends doesn't it i mean i it's sort of we're, we're speaking you're putting a sort of case to me which is at best unproven it depends a whether it is high quality and b whether that one resource is um you know uh for example in art subjects like history or like english um, whether that resource is um, sufficiently uh, robust in terms of its uh, depiction of the complexities of various issues. We've, we've already seen recently uh, with Pearson the quarrels you can have around the, um, uh, a textbook, uh, around uh, a particular um, uh, war that's, you know, the, 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 uh, the Israeli-Palestine conflict. So... You know, these are serious ethical issues. They are serious uh, moral issues, and they are serious also professional issues. Because one of the um, uh, things that teachers do is work to develop curriculum materials, uh, and yeah. that's an important part of their practice. Now, it would be very bad, wouldn't it, if teachers felt that that was not allowable and not achievable because they were expected to use government approved materials and they were expected um to uh, uh teach in particular ways uh, that would be a very stultifying thing on the profession so i go back to my original point what i would if i expected the dfe to do if this was such a good idea was to do a gradual funding and then proper research into how it was used does it stymie professional development does it stymie curriculum development and practice? It would be an iterative process. That's not what's happening. But do you think that just by the very nature of when Oak was set up, like in the middle of the pandemic, that that was never going to be the case anyway? Like it was set up within weeks, wasn't it? Within within months, say. And there was yeah, and, never. And, gonna... and as you and as Caroline has said, it was needed then. The issue is, it doesn't need. The issue is this: this is forty three million pounds of public money. It doesn't, you know, just because it was set up quickly in a matter of weeks to deal with a crisis, a coronavirus crisis, doesn't mean that the same model now has to be done just with loads of money and very, very quickly. Do you, so do you sort of, I know David Blunkett uh, produced a report uh, for Keir Starmer a few weeks ago. And in that report, he stated he would support, his plan would be to support the continued, quote, the continued expansion of resource platforms like Oak National Academy. And this would include providing more pupils with access to quality lessons with the added benefit of reduced pressure on staff. Do you disagree with David Blunkett and, and sort of that late, that may matter Labour report? Well, I don't think it really matters which government report it is. I don't think what David Blunkett was saying 
uh, is at odds with what I'm saying. I'm saying that these materials and this approach may well have some use. What it shouldn't be is the uh, it shouldn't be omnipresent. It shouldn't be the only thing that teachers are expected to use. They shouldn't be inspected on it. And that the capacity has to be there for teachers to make a range of choices. And finally, and I've got to go in a minute, Tom, it has to be good good quality. And so why why the rush? Where is the the articulation of need? Where is the uh, idea that this is what teachers want? How has that been investigated? Do we know that it actually reduces workload? What are the qualities of these materials? What is the uh, outcome in the classroom? How are teachers using them? And what effects do they have in terms of learning? Now, if you're going to do it properly, you would set a, uh, you would you would do proper research into that before you embarked on this massive experiment. And that's not what's happening. Can I ask you one final question, Mary, before you go? You can. Um, this is a, a tweet that's coming from Tom Bennett. Um, yeah, I saw the tweet. He says, um, why is a union siding with big business that makes money from teachers over an, an initiative teachers love? And that is proven to help lower workload. What would well, you say to that? I would say all those things are suppositions. I mean, how does he know that teachers love it? How do we know it lowers workload? And I'm not siding with anyone. I'm siding for teachers being given the dignity and choice of their profession in order to be able to develop curriculum materials and use a range of curriculum resources that they find useful. Now, if that is an online national platform, that's fine. But the way this is being developed in this haste, it is unfortunately too likely that 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 this will not be um, what is needed for teachers in terms of reducing workload. And there will be doubts about the quality of what is produced. What is the rush? Give it time and do it properly. Thanks so much for your time, Mary. Really appreciate you coming on. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Dan. See you later. Tara. Uh, Caroline is still here. Caroline, you can unmute yourself. Hello. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. Hi there. Hello. Um, I wondered if, from your perspective, Director General of BISA, is there anything you would sort of add or, 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 or disagree with Mary on or are you sort of on board with everything she said? No, I very much agree with the comments that Mary's made, um, particularly the points about 
the move to move oak from what was a, a COVID um, emergency response into an arm's length body and all that means and the money that's coming from the public purse when actually there was very little um, research and evidence to actually point to the reason why. So that's that's one of the key issues for us as well. It's unevidenced um, on the basis of, of what Mary and others have said. It's mm. it's unwanted by the teachers and it's it's unfair because it didn't carry out and follow due process. Do you do you know it's unwanted by the teachers though? Well, I'm just reading Oak's own report and it said, I think, don't, you know, I'm talking in, in uh, rounding up the figures, but I think it was something like 32,000 um, teachers currently use it um, every week. About 70 or 70, 70 percent would recommend it. So that works out to about one teacher per school. And when you do the maths on what 43 million works out per year per user, you're talking about 500 pounds per user cost. Now, coming from a commercial background that's really an inefficient use of public funding so on that basis I would say it's unwanted and I'd be interested if you ask many head teachers if they had 500 pounds per user what they would spend it on in terms of curriculum resources. Am I right in saying that, that one of um, BESA's and by the way is it BESA or BESA? I don't oh, know however that. you like it but BESA we say. Okay so with BESA like from what I've read about the sort of challenge from BESA to the DFE over Oak, a lot of it does sort of revolve around competition um, and sort of the monopoly that BESA feels that Oak has over educational publishing. Would that be right? Or I don't want it's, to misquote. No, no, it's a, whole, it's a whole range of things. So it's the issues that, that Mary raised. It's curricula, It's damaging to curriculum choice and diversity and the range of curric curriculum resources that will be available in schools. It's damaging to teacher autonomy and it's damaging to industry. It's going to um, damage uh, innovation. It's going to damage the market itself, which when I think kind of one of the questions you sort of said was it big business, actually, the vast majority of companies that work in the UK's educational publishing business are technically SMEs and startups. They're typically teachers that had a good idea, teaching in the classroom, made something that really worked, went on to produce it, and now kind of a, a small companies that, you know, work with a few hundred to a few thousand schools at a time. But there's a really vibrant ecosystem of them. And actually, it's one of the growth areas of the UK economy, which brings back money to the economy. And also, because many of them are teacher based, they work with schools. They know what the challenges are. So you've got that diversity and choice rather than a kind of one size fits all offer that won't kind of um, reflect all that what teachers need. I mean, would you say that with regards to um, the, the, I mean, as much as I sort of I do take on board everything you've just said but but we also know there are very very large um education publishers whether they're part of BESA or not th there's there's some very large outfits out there i can think of one in particular which profits greatly from the sale of resources and the, the, the sort of um and i guess teachers buying resources and, and yeah. there are companies that so there Absolutely, are... because there is no such thing as free. And that's actually an issue which I think is is really tainting this conversation. In the, the Butler Education Act of 1944 talks about education being free at the point of use. So in a state education system, you either have a government 
that trusts its teachers and gives the funding to individual schools so that head teachers and classroom teachers can use it to buy and trust, know what they works best in their classroom. Or you can have that funding being used directly from government to dictate what teachers use. So it's all paid for by the taxpayer. So there is no such thing as free. But the difference here is you free resources provided by Oak, but no choice, no autonomy or funding going direct to schools so teachers can choose. And when you actually look at the, the amount of money that goes into UK schools, currently we are at a level below that of 2009, 2010, being um, provided by government to schools and used in schools on resources. And actually using kind of the Bank of England projections and so on, we would need an additional £3,000 per primary and 43000 per secondary just to level peg with where we were in 2009. So that's why it's important. And actually, I think that probably puts into account a little bit of there aren't huge, huge profits mm. in the sense of the curriculum. The whole size of the digital market in the UK, we estimate to be about £120 million. Now, that's digital publishing. It doesn't take into account sort of textbooks and so on. But it's not a huge, huge industry. And actually, in the vast majority, it's teachers who work with publishers or, or teachers, uh, publishers who were teachers to try and do the right things for schools. Uh, we've had a text in from from Adam Smith who says, I'd say to Caroline that £500 per primary school wouldn't buy a single scheme of work from a commercial publisher for a year, but would allow them to access resources across all subjects from Oak in perpetuity. Would you agree with that or not? Not necessarily, because different publishers and different um, providers have a whole range of different solutions and different models for schools. And actually, that's the, that's the benefit of our UK market as it currently is, that there are hundreds of different providers that can provide special and subject associations as well, not-for-profits, charities, a whole vibrant industry of experts that can support schools. And what the government has done without carrying out, because their business case, they did not look into the market impact before they secured the funding for Oak. As they've been going along, they've been adding different research, but they actually secured the funding without carrying out the due diligence on this. There's a case study of a poll. A very similar thing happened in Poland. And in one year, just one year, 10% of the publishing industry in Poland um, went bankrupt. So the challenge of this is we live in a climate where, frankly, we don't know who the prime minister is going to be from one month to the next. We don't know what's going to happen to the economy. We don't know what's going to happen with different governments, whether they might support the continuation of, you know, £43 million being spent on an army of 80 bureaucrats from one year to the next or not. But actually, the damage this could do, we've estimated on our own market analysis, which we wanted to share with government, but they mm. only came to us after they'd made the decision. The, the market distortion that this could lead to is about 30% of damage to the UK publishing industry. And at that point in a few years' time, when who knows where we are, this is being reviewed in a couple of years' time. If the government of that time decides that actually it isn't a, a sensible um, use of value for money, we might be in a situation where that, oh, there isn't that innovative, um, vibrant industry to be able to support the teachers in the UK. Talking of innovative educational publishers, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Um, 
so we've got um, John Cat Educational, um, and this show is brought up in partnership with John Cat, who are a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides, and magazines specifically aimed at schools in the UK and beyond. If you haven't checked out their latest offerings, go to johncatbookshop.com and explore the, explore their full range of titles and uh, advance your professional development today. And also, this show. Is brought to us by Witherslack Group, who are a leading provider of specialist education and care, and they need people like you to help them achieve even more. If you want to get involved with Witherslack, they offer a clear path to career progression, and you can be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits within education. And Witherslack currently has brilliant career opportunities that are available through their website at witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers. Um, Caroline, I want to read you a comment from Neil, who says... Free, independent, non-compulsory, coherent resources written by experts offered at a time when teachers have considerable challenges to workload. What rationale is there for trying to stop free, high-quality resources from getting into the hands of teachers? Now, I pretty, I'm pretty sure I know what you're already going to say to that, which is what you've already said, which is that the taxpayer has paid that $43 million in. But what I would say is that do you think that individual schools having to try and figure out and buy separate products from separate ed tech providers, some of which may be of completely varying quality? And we, I, I can only think of the amount of money that schools have blown on ed tech or publishing products that have been of poor quality over the years. It must be in the <coughs> bazillions. Um, do you think there is an argument to say, well, hang on, Let's have, I mean, obviously, David Blunkett thinks so, because he's talking about the expansion of Oak, not the not the, just the continuation of it, but the expansion of platforms like Oak that provide this almost this one stop shop, if you like, of resources. I mean, do you not sympathize with that? Well, frankly, they already exist. And that's one of the big um, issues. But for that, free. That, but for free. Uh, and again, free is not, it's not free at the point of use. It's free at the point of use, whether the money goes direct from government to a school or whether the yeah. government buys it themselves. So that just doesn't add up in this conversation. Actually, it's, it's about giving teachers the choice um, and an autonomy to be able to choose. And actually, there's a really, a real need to be able to have a wide range of, of providers and there's been a lot of work um, that's happened over recent years in terms of um, ed tech evidence and helping companies being able to evidence the impact their products and services um, have. So there are platforms that already provide support um, and the chance for uh, teachers to try before they buy resources. We, we actually run um, a platform in association with government on that called LendEd where teachers can take out free trials so they do use things and they do get um, testimonials from other teachers. A lot of what you're talking about is actually um, linked to CPD and helping teachers better understand how to use resources and be better equipped. But what I did want to just um, challenge a little bit is you're talking in the sense of £43 million and you know the, the sort of sense that that's going on um, amazing resources that schools are going to be able to benefit from. It's actually only eight million pounds. The rest of that goes to funding this bureaucracy of 80 staff when teachers and schools are facing really challenging issues of whether they can actually afford to keep their staff. That just feels completely the wrong way around. Actually looking at what's already available in the market, which is what is actually supposed to happen. There's um, guidance for setting up an arm's length body that says all possible alternatives have to be considered 
market impact has to be considered. That just was not done before March when these decisions were made. And that's what's wrong. This is what government should have done before imposing this. And as Mary said, these kind of very tight timescales where actually the chances of getting quality resources, the small amounts over and above kind of the 80 staff that's actually going to be spent on resources is a real challenge. A, a good product typically takes 18 months to two years to develop. Do you think though there's an argument? I mean, I speak now when I've been teaching in different schools is that quite often, number one, money can be siphoned off into different areas by the school because they simply can't prioritise curriculum resourcing over other things they, they have to do. That would be number one. But number two is, as a teacher, the number of times I've been at home on a on a Wednesday night at seven o'clock, eight o'clock, and I've gone, oh, God, I... I, I, I mean, you know, I've forgotten about this, this, this lesson, or I've got to plan this, this sequence of lessons, or I need something for this week on X, and I just haven't got it and, and whatever. And then I've gone and I've actually bought it off an educational resources site, or I've spent an hour trying to find things on, on, on YouTube or on other sort of platforms that provide, you know, um, digital content, and sort of the ease of a one platform approach um surely that can't be underestimated and that's exactly what hundreds of high quality curriculum publishers do they have scaffolded sequenced products that can help teachers deal with the challenges of workload the, the point I, and i haven't seen the evidence necessarily on on workload so i'm not disputing it but it would be interesting to hear more about it the oak evidence on um, saving time on workload. Well, Caroline, that's, we will because I've no, got well, like, that's Dando good. from but, Oak coming on. But just actually, after you. that's that's <laughs> not to that's not to say that other publishers aren't doing that. Again, there hasn't been a gap analysis that exists. Actually, the big two problems that you just talked about there, if you look at what if you think about how government is trying to influence schools, actually, that a lever the lever they have is by investing in a platform, and then the the lack of funding in the system will end, make sure and. And the Ofsted's, um, you know, endorsement of Oak will make sure that teachers have a fear factor in using it. But actually, you talked about siphoning off. I'm not sure I'd really like that, that kind of those words, but the money will be spent elsewhere. Well, absolutely, because there are other priorities in schools. And actually, school leaders and classroom teachers and the, the leadership team within a school are best placed to decide where the money is spent. So although I might be disappointed that the publishers, it's a, it's a relatively small amount at the end of the day, but if the size of the pie they have, they have to take some really important decisions. Well, so be it. Don't force them into kind of deciding for them. Let them decide if you want them to use more high quality curriculum resources. Well, give them the funding for it. And in terms of, like I said, on that workload, there are already these products and services that many schools know, use and trust and have had training on. And because of the cuts in funding and because of the pressure schools are under, you're actually going to add to some of schools workload when they really can't afford to renew their subscription to something that they know delivers results in schools and they'll move over to something that perhaps, you know, they might not want to use as, as much. We've already seen research we've carried out that 30 percent of primaries and 20 percent of secondary schools indicating that they will feel forced to use Oak. And that's not out of their desire to use it. It's because of other pressures in their schools. Uh, the wood listen i mean i i i think what you're saying is 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 all sort of fair argument um i think one question i would and this has actually come from adam as well adam smith's text this in and i won't mention the name of the company but a company 
turned over uh, educational resources company turned over 42 million in 2021 that money has come straight out of the public purse and is in an annual recurring transfer of wealth from the public sector to private profit oak is investing in curriculum development for the benefit of schools making it free to access the would as i said before there would definitely be a strong argument to say that a lot of the companies that are currently making a lot of money out of teachers and schools are not um are private enterprises you know limited companies making massive profits from resources that are not really audited in many ways i mean i'm sure these companies would say oh they're fantastic and i get that and i'm sure a lot of them are but they're not audited they're not like well they have audited accounts if you're a company oh no i don't mean money i'm not talking about the money but they no, no, also any the, the biggest the, the biggest audit that any commercial publisher has is the fact that a teacher has to decide to spend money on their resource and you know how tight budgets are in schools i would say that's the biggest audit you can possibly have whereas um, a 43 million pound quango that is only being looked at after a two year review hasn't evidenced what it's doing hasn't kind of proved that it's really what schools want didn't follow the process i would say that's all audited we haven't had the departments for education referring even after all the market distortion that's been flagged we have not seen the department refer this to the competitions and markets authority for an investigation an independent investigation which frankly is the very least that i would expect so i think we need to be careful when we're talking about who's auditing who because uh, if if schools do not want to buy curriculum publishing resources they won't and then a company will go out of business that's not the case in a quango that it's employing 80 people and actually using 35 million pounds of its funding on bureaucracy rather than resources uh, just in a, just to cut in there with a, a, another tweet that came in earlier from from tom bennett um and tom tweeted in um beta has been saying that thirty thousand teachers using oak each week isn't good enough um or the fact that not everyone finishes the videos to the end shows that they're not very good what does good in inverted commas look like for Beta members products um yeah, that was the question. And it will mean completely different things for each individual member because they provide a huge variety of resources from special education needs to music to maths to English to highly gifted and talented to helping support catch up. So there are a whole range of things. And that in itself is the beauty of our market system at the moment, that actually we can work with schools and talk to them about what does success like and tailor and tweak the products accordingly. There is no one size fits all in the sense of, you know, a global what does good look like. But what I would say is good does not look like a poor value for money of £500 per user. Is it so? Does it need to be an either or? I mean, can Oak not exist within like it is now within the ecosystem of other businesses and companies and private entities and even other government agencies? But it's not a fair and level playing field. If it was just another commercial provider that has to compete against everybody else, well, may the best company win. But it's not. It has the endorsement of government. It's a quango, so quasi kind of um, 
quasi-government department in effect. It's having the chief inspector of schools encouraging schools to consider using it, saying that it will be aligned with Ofsted research. You know, that is not the role of government to encourage the use of, of a particular resource. And that's one of our issues with you know, unfair um, state subsidy. So it's not a, a fair level playing field. And that's yeah. what's going to damage the market in the long term. And that's such a shame when we've got a, one of the, it really truly is one of the world leading industries we have. And those resources are provided into our, our schools. We're still seeing at the moment, um, the government have said this is one of the issues that it should be carrying out this research and making sure it's absolutely right before they get the approval for the funding and before they go ahead with things. As Mary said, we currently have only after we really had to make the point many months after we should have that um, Oak and the Department for Education have agreed to geoblock the website so it can just be used in the UK. It's that still hasn't been done. They've said they'll do it, but they still haven't done it. And what? every day, explain, Caroline, British companies... That? Can you explain that, means, that issue um, to me, so, just for everyone listening? Yeah, sure. So if you remember back to sort of the early 2000s and there was um, a BBC initiative that was found to sort of, I, I, I don't know all of the details of this, it's before my, my time at BISA, but there was a, a disagreement about sort of government funding of a big curriculum platform. One of the things that um, the BBC have done rightly is they have some resources that are available for, for schools to use, um, BBC Bite Size, but it's yeah. geolocked. And, you know, their kind of TV programmes are geolocked to the UK. So they don't compete with UK companies doing some really excellent um, work internationally and bringing back revenue for the UK economy. And we, we certainly need it at the moment. That hasn't happened. So we now have a government arm's length body that isn't geoblocked. So actually other governments, other schools around the world can access content that would be provided by um, companies that are in high demand around the world. And that's damaging the British economy, let alone just the educational publishing industry. It's damaging all of our um, economic work by the fact that they haven't done that yet. And that's just one example of they should have done their homework. Why, why, do, you think <laughs> they ha why do you think they haven't done that? Oh, yet? goodness knows you have to ask them. But we've I been raising that with... for. Well, before the actual plans for the arm's length body were put in place over a, a previous procurement that we that the DfE overlooked doing that. So it's just it's just kind of doing their homework properly and, and consulting and engaging with industry, which they don't seem to want to do, unfortunately. Do, do you though acknowledge that? And, and this sort of fits in with that, because whether you're an international teacher or a domestic teacher or whatever, you know, teachers a teacher. And, and do you sort of acknowledge that teachers spend a lot out of their own pocket they still spend a lot out of their own pockets for sort of different resources whether it be you know um, uh, webinars whether it be physical resources books you know whatever it is that they, they, they're spending so this is something where a and they shouldn't who, have to they should schools should be funded yeah, properly. Let, me yeah. say, let me say that this 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 doesn't even need to be used by a teacher who works in a school at a particular time this could be used by a supply teacher you know, at the moment, I work supply. I, I wouldn't have access to what an individual school has on offer. I wouldn't have that. But I may still benefit from using Oak National Academy, you know, um, because it's free to access. There's no sign-in required. There's no, you know, there's, there's no sort of walls or barriers for me to use that, that content. So do you think there's, that there's just that sort of value that wraparound value for everyone in the profession, you know, whether you're a tutor, a teacher, 
or whatever that there's there's more value than what we're saying than just you know a teacher who 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 is sort of conventionally using it uh, to set a homework or something. Mm. I absolutely agree that um, financing um, school resources should not come out of teachers' pockets and actually we should be funding schools effectively so that doesn't have to happen. I think it's a slight sort of misnomer to, to look at, well, let's have Oak as a platform to do that. There are many other options and, in fact, ways that and systems that were proposed to the DfE, but I'm not sure if they're actually considered, but even though they're supposed to be, you have to... Um, look at all the other options before you um, decide to set up an arm's length body but it can be curriculum ring fencing of resources there could be e-credits um, vouchers that are allocated for every sort of qualified teacher that they can choose their resources there's a whole way that you could do this doesn't have to be a kind of a one-size-fits-all let's have um, a platform and let's call it oak there are already existing um, wide variety of, of resource providers, subject associations, mats, um, who are doing this without needing to spend £43 million. What would you say to the teachers who currently use Oak, who say it helps them to reduce their workload and it helps them to teach and plan? Well, I would say that's great because what we're not proposing, let's just remember, we're not proposing taking off the content that's already there and has already been paid for. And actually, you just look at what John Coles from United Learning's done with Continuity Oak. He fundamentally disagreed with the government intervention and turning, overstepping the, the mark and interfering in um, curriculum autonomy. So they've actually taken their content off the Oak platform and put it on something called Continuity Oak. Great. Mm. That's done at a fraction. I, I doubt very much he's spending £43 million on that. Fine. The money we have spent, going back to the beginning, congratulations and well done and it was a really vital service my own members they also donated 24 million pounds worth of curriculum resources in the first three months of covid alone you know so those resources it was a time of national crisis let's keep them there but actually let's not add to the damage that will be done now we're supposed to be building back better and reinvesting in in education there is no need for this in the future there are better ways to achieve that just a final question, Caroline, and thanks so much for, for spending the time talking to me tonight. I really do appreciate it. Um, final question is, what do BISA members want to happen now? You know, in, in purely practical terms, if tomorrow you could click your fingers Thanos style and everything went to some form that you'd be happy with, what would it be? Oak should get on the phone to John Coles at United Learning Find out how he is managing to fund um, keeping the continuity Oak content there for teachers, parents, students to access without spending £43 million in two years. Keep that going and get the government to reinvest that £43 million by working collectively and collegiately with the system leaders, mats, unions, publishers to subject associations to actually spend it on what schools need rather than trying to impose a solution where it's not wanted. Caroline, thanks ever so much for your time tonight. Really appreciate it. Thanks for coming on Teachers Talk Radio. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Uh, just a reminder, everyone, there, I'm going to be joined by Jonathan Dando in a second, who is uh, Director of School Support and External Relations at Oak National Academy. It's going to be really interesting to talk to Jonathan about a lot of the things that have been raised in the show so far. Um, if anybody want, has missed any of this, uh, we started at half past seven 
If you want to listen back, it will be available as a podcast on the Teachers Talk Radio website, ttradio.org forward slash listen back. It will be available tomorrow if you want to listen back to it as a podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or any of those other providers. Again, uh, a shout out uh, just while Jonathan gets ready to join us. Um, a, a shout out to our sponsors on the show today, John Cat Educational and with a Slack group who support the show tonight um and thank you ever so much to every single person who is tuning in we've we've got cat we've got tom reese we've got uh adam who's been here since the uh, should we i was going to call it the bitter beginning then like the bitter end but i mean from the from the start thank you adam uh amy eleanor mr b who is a regular ttr listener welcome miss evans regular ttr listener sarah one of our fellow ttr host god i could literally spend all evening ruining out the names of everyone and everyone who's dropped in too. Uh, Jonathan, good evening to you. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? How are you doing? Are you okay? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well. It's been uh, a really Excellent. interesting uh, listening in to your speakers today. Yes, I'm sure you are. I mean, what are your initial, what have your initial thoughts been? Well, the thing is, there's quite a lot here that we all agree on, and that's what I want to start on. Um, and, and that's the thing that I think I'm... I'm finding a bit of a challenge is that there's so much noise around Oak at the moment. And we understand that. Um, and we understand there's a bit of, you know, controversy here and a controversy and controversy there, but actually what we need to do is take a bit of a step back and look at um, what, why Oak is existing, what it's trying to do. And then what are the kind of measures and things we've put in place to safeguard against some of the things that both Caroline and Mary mentioned. Um, they are things that I, I just want to be really honest. Like, like when Oak went in this transition through from being this amazing um, initiative set up and created by teachers at the start of the pandemic to now its future, we thought really hard and really carefully about that. Um, and we worried about many of the same things that Caroline and, and Mary um, have been worrying about. But what we've done is we've worked really hard at making sure we've put lots of things in place to stop any of those adverse things happening or to reduce them as far as possible. Um, and I'm really confident what we've got now is something that teachers really want, they really value, and it's going to make um, a really big difference. I can, I'm really happy to run through a bit of, um, like, what's the problem we're trying to solve and, um, and, and why we're doing it? Because I think that was a bit of a kind of question, particularly from Mary. It's like, what's the problem we're trying to solve here? But, but um, I don't want to kind of jump straight into a... Well, into there a will be time for that, Jonathan. There will be plenty of time for that. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to start, though, because I, I think one of the key criticisms is not sort of the content that's available necessarily, although I think one of Mary's criticisms was that. She said the content, the quality, and the style. Mm. They were her three things. Mm. But I think Caroline's point was more along the lines of, and I don't want to sort of, uh, you know, quote from her without her here, but I think to paraphrase a lot of what she said, it was the fact that 43 million, a, a lot of, well, number one, a lot of money has been spent on Oak and will be spent on Oak. That it has not been open to sort of, competition it's been decided by the government they've said right we're investing all this money into into this thing called oak national academy huge sums of money 80 people working in in oak um and the resources on sort of i guess what some people would consider to be good enough for that level of investment that's that's what how some of the criticism is characterized rather than necessarily just about the quality of it or what oak's trying to do 
Yeah, so let me take that from, there's two bits of that, right? So what's yeah. happened today and what's going to happen in the future? So if you're right, I'll take that in two parts. Yeah, So So it. what's happened today? Um, uh, so take us back, oh my gosh, March 2020, pandemic hits. Um, schools uh, say to the majority of pupils, you can't come in, we're going to have to teach you online. For those most in need, you can come in. Um, as we all know, the history of Oak, won't we rehearse it too, too quickly, a group of teachers and folks working in educational organisations got together and launched this thing from idea to um, initiative in 10 days. Um, it then kind of was very clear that that disruption was going to continue on for a long time and government, very quickly, to its credit, um, rolled in and provided support um, to this. That needed to happen very quickly because we all were facing things um, and we were dealing with a complete unprecedented situation of the pandemic. Um, at that point, they gave us about kind of five million pounds over that first year. Um, and, and during that time, um, we created the majority of our 10,000 lessons um, in around three weeks. Um, and teachers use them significantly. Just unfortunately, like, like if we could have done um, a proper open procurement process, that would be that would be absolutely right. There just wasn't the time because we had a, um, uh, a pandemic that we had to respond to. Um, and the thing is, we had an offer that teachers were finding really valuable and using. So much so that um, during that time, 150 million lessons were completed by teachers. Um, so that's, that's there. Um, move forward, what happens? Well, actually, as the kind of pandemic starts to wane, um, what we're seeing is ingenuity from teachers who say, hey, uh, this stuff from Oak actually is really helpful for lesson planning and for curriculum planning. And they're using it more and more um, and, and finding it really valuable. And uh, to, to, to kind of cover off some of the quality questions, well, actually, it is really it is found to be really good by teachers. So um, uh, we've had two independent evaluations. It's pretty good for an organization that's only existed for two and a half years, um, all carried out not by us at Oak, but carried out by Impact Ed independently. Um, the last one found a whole variety of things. But 95% of users said they were very satisfied or satisfied with the content we provided. So like that is showing there is really good quality stuff there. Teachers are really happy with it. Um, now into the future, what's going to happen? So we're going to um, take some, we've got, we've got a focus basically on a couple of things. Number one, we're going to keep doing what we've always done. We're going to be there for teachers in the case of disruption. Um, disruption hopefully won't look like pandemics going forward, um, but it will look like things like Storm Eunice. When that Storm Eunice hit, we had four times the number of people coming onto the platform. Um, and it will look like things like exclusions. It will look like things like illness, cover, long-term sick. And so we're going to be there to support teachers, to support supply teachers, cover teachers um, whenever they need them. But we're also going to do two other things. We're going to help tackle teacher workload and we're going to support curriculum expertise and we're going to do that through investing in um, creating new content now one of the things that's really important to call out here is this 43 million pounds how is it going to be spent well yes eight million pounds in this first procurement but then there'll be another set of procurement later so it's not fair to say just eight million pounds of that um, is going on that and that's really important because that is money, not for Oak, but investing in all those people who create content. And a load of them are actually Caroline's members at Visa. That they, they are open and can bid for this. 
as can subject associations, as can schools. What we're doing is investing in what's in the education system and helping people to develop it and share it to all other teachers um, as well. Um, we also need money for that because there's a whole bunch of other stuff, some of which you alluded to. Yes, we've got to create that content, um, but we also have to then do a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, when you get the amount of visitors that we get, you have to pay quite a lot of hosting fees. You've got to put um, subtitles on it. You've got to put British Sign Language on it. You've got to build the platform. Um, we got last year about 2,500 queries from teachers. Um, and we responded to about 95% of those within 48 hours. So, like, this is not just a put it on a website. But, and Jonathan, one of, the, one of the, I'm just going to, I'm just going to cut in there. One, one of the, one of the sort of criticisms there would be that that would apply to a whole plethora of education publishers and providers of materials. I mean, the idea that, you know, it's used a lot. I mean, many, many, many um, ed tech providers could argue that their content is used a lot, that they get a lot of inquiries to the website and that they get a lot of clicks on. I mean, many, many providers could argue that. Um, so I, I think one of those criticisms is that £43 million to critics sounds like a lot of money for content that is as mentioned earlier when you actually strip it down they would say this isn't me saying it this is what they would say is a video lesson with an attached powerpoint or document plan sometimes and and an, and an inbuilt quiz you know in in the kind of style that that many other edtech providers provide you know you think of all the quizzing apps out there that many teachers rave about they they already provide that so what would you say to those people who say well you know what 43 million is too much money for something that isn't particularly innovative or you know different to what is already out there yeah so it's a good good, good challenge um a couple, couple of things so firstly um I just want to pick up also on one of Caroline's points. She, she mentioned yeah. about how that would work out about £500 per user. That's not right. Um, we, we, we get 30,000 teachers every week. That's not the same That's not the same teacher each week. Um, some teachers will come one week and they'll go away and they'll do their planning and then they'll come away two weeks later. The last national um, kind of survey that we did, and we do them regularly, found in the last few months a third of all teachers uh, in the country uh, use Oak. So I think that that probably works out around 150,000 teachers, something like that in total. Um, so that, that figure just puts that into context a little bit. Um, that therefore means that the total value of Oak uh, is about £600 for every school uh, in the country each year. Yeah. Um, for that money, as I think actually as, as someone, maybe it was Adam, uh, I tweeted in or, or texted in earlier, you're getting a full curriculum sequence and a fully resourced curriculum package across every subject. I'm not aware at the moment of any other offer um, that provides that breadth and depth of support for all of that. Um, so I think that is um, really, really good value. Do you um, understand that? Just, just to pause there, John, I'll let you carry on your point in no. a second. But that would be one of the objections, I guess, that Caroline was saying from her members' point of view, that, the, that there is not fair competition then on that. That, that you know, Oak was set up, as you say, in 10 days during the pandemic. And since then, it's almost kind of evolved without any sort of external say on how it's evolved, if that makes sense. So, or, or 
yeah, or sort of external tendering and, and all that sort of thing? So there's been lots of external consultation. Um, when we kind of were looking at the future of Oak, um, we, we, we kind of went out and spoke to lots of people across the sector. We spoke to all the unions, we spoke to um, commercial providers, we spoke to all of our current partners, we spoke to other big multi-academy trusts, um, and we were deciding what, what was to do. Um, and, you know, there was, there was definitely the question of, do we, do we close this thing down? Or, or do we just kind of mothball it, as, as Caroline suggested, and just leave those up? Um, but that's a problem because that doesn't help and serve what teachers need. Um, teachers tell us they really value this, but they want to continue to see it developed and improved. But really importantly, that has to be inside a thriving market. And I absolutely support Caroline in that we want to see a really good thriving market because Oak isn't going to be right for every school, right? Like we can't design something centrally that is going to be right for um, a school perfectly because we don't know any of the context, any of the local um, issues, any of the local uh, kind of bits of curriculum that they want to focus on or any of the challenges or, or areas of expertise in that school. Um, so Oak needs to be a something central, which you can then take and adapt. And, and what we're trying to do is be one option amongst all these others. Um, and what the thing we're trying to really reduce is not taking away from other bits of the market, but it's that time that teachers themselves spend on making resources themselves. It's not taking away from buying something from a brilliant quality provider. If they do that now and a school does that, you should keep on doing that. And we want to see schools funded so they can keep on doing that. But if you're spending hours and hours trying to find that perfect, um, trying to design that perfect PowerPoint slide and find the perfect diagram for an Oxbow Lake, um, then actually we might be able to help you with that. And the last thing I'll just say on this is that that is exactly what's happening now. So we check this every year. Um, and we're going to publish this stat every year from now on. Um, it's like, how are you using Oak? Are you using Oak for all of your resources and it's the only source? Or are you using Oak alongside and taking from other resources as well, potentially from the commercial market? Right now, 0.3% of teachers, so not even a half of a percent of teachers, use Oak as their only source of resources. The rest of them use a bit of Oak, and they use a bit of other commercial providers and they use a bit of other stuff from their school. So like this idea that Oak is kind of going to blow this away absolutely is just overblown and, and it's not it's not led by the data. No, I was saying in, in to, to a screen and not realising I wasn't telling anyone else that do you think, though, that the schools and this is what Caroline was saying earlier, the schools were are arguing that their budget they haven't had a choice over that. They haven't had a choice over whether to invest in Oak or not. That has been decided by the DFE on their behalf. And that's where the gripe comes. Um, I also want to sort of read out a few texts we've had in. Mr. B is a head of department. He's texted in saying, does anyone actually use Oak and say it's genuinely impacted their workload positively? Question mark. It might be used for cover now, but as a staple in the curriculum, definitely not. Whereas, obviously, I think what he's referring to is in the pandemic, it might have been. The lesson PowerPoints might save you in a pinch, but not sure if they're worth that amount of money now that he knows the amount of money. And I do apologise, Jonathan, for unveiling your budgeting. Um, but it, it is in the public domain. No, absolutely. <laughs> in EC public, it's a real public body. Absolutely. Yeah. But what would you say to Mr B? Um, so... 
the, the first question was like, um, does it make a difference? And um, yeah. so again, we've had two independent evaluations of folk. That's really impressive. An organization that's only been around for two years. Um, the most recent one found that for 42% of users, on average, they saved three hours a week using Oak. So that is not a stat cooked up by us. It's a stat independently found um, that teachers are saving around, yeah. half of teachers are saving three hours a week. You add that up in total across an academic year, across all the weeks in an academic year, that's teachers getting back three weeks a year. And what's brilliant about that is they tell us through this evaluation, they're not just you know sitting back and having an extra cup of tea, although they probably frankly deserve it, but instead they are using that time to focus in and give them more support to the people they need it the most, their pupils. They're give, giving extra support to vulnerable kids. They're doing um, you know, more follow-up activities. They're checking understanding. They're able to have more time to focus on those higher value things rather than design. And then the second thing that Mr. B asked was around curriculum. Um, again, go back to the independent evaluation. Um, two, two key stats come out of that. Half of users say being see oak and see the kind of curriculum that we built and the sequences to increase their own confidence in curriculum design and 47 percent said that the quality of their school's curriculum has improved i just want to dig slightly into that if you, if you give me just one more second yeah, go for is it. that how are they using it right so and this is really really important because what teachers aren't doing is they aren't just taking oak and copying and pasting it and, and trying to plant it in that school because that wouldn't work because it's not going to fit their context what they're doing and what the research shows is they are looking at Oak as a really good example and a model um, of, of a really quality curriculum and a quality set of resources. And they are taking the learning from that, learning from it, and then applying bits of it to their own schemes of work, their own curriculum, and helping their own confidence in what they do in their own And that's really important about the impact that we have. Yeah, Jonathan, I don't know where you are, but your Wi-Fi seems to be wavering very slightly now. Um, I'm not sure if you can stand as close to the router as possible if you're on Wi-Fi or if you're on 4G, wherever the best signal is. Um, but you're okay. We can we can still hear you. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're making fair arguments, but, but uh, just as a pure sort of... I mean... At the moment, Oak's resources, correct me if I'm wrong, are video lessons and adaptable attached PowerPoint plus potentially worksheet. That's what Oak is fundamentally. Would that be would that be fair? And I guess you're developing a curriculum map to, to sort of run alongside that. Ooh, maybe Jonathan's gone. Nate, has Jonathan gone? Or is it me who's gone? I don't know. It could be me. I don't know. But I can't hear anything now. So I'm just going to keep talking. But I've, I've found, I mean, I found it really interesting from the perspective of hearing the sort of criticisms of Oak. And, and I speak as a teacher who used Oak uh, during the pandemic uh, successfully. I, I streamed uh, lessons from Oak into the classroom. Um, I used Oak to uh, beam in to the students in my classroom. However, um, since the pandemic, I wonder whether, as Mr. B says, some of the some of the use of Oak has either changed or declined or evolved in a way 
that doesn't justify the price tag. That's what that's what the critics would say. It's not for me to say whether that is true or not. I think Jonathan's coming back now. But certainly that's what the critics would say, that, uh, you know, they're not sure on that. Um, Jonathan, I think we lost you there intermittently. Are you back? I am back. Sorry about that. Yeah, I think your connection, I don't know where you are. We can hear you, but I think your Wi-Fi might be giving up slightly. I've moved on to 4G, um, so hopefully that gives you a bit okay, more. Okay, try that. If, you, if I'm cutting out, let me know. It might be my headphones are running out of battery, and in that case, I'll, I'll switch. <laughs> will do, will do. You're okay at the moment. So, yeah, we, I was just saying that the, the, the role of what I was saying there, you may have heard or not, Oh, Wales have just scored, by the way, everyone. A little bit of football <laughs> updates. Um, but one of the things that I, I was saying was that since the pandemic, the way in which oak is used has changed. So, you know, it, during the pandemic, it was used in class, in class, much more in, in if, from my perception than it would have been in the last, say, six months to 12 months, where it's evolved into more of your your sort of classic resource that a teacher might use to help them plan. Would that be fair to say? Um, it's, it's become less of an in-class resource than it was. So the great thing about Oak is that it's super flexible and adaptable, and it can be used for a massive wide range of, of, of reasons. And that's absolutely what we see. So um, we continue to see, as I said, it used for um, just periods of disruption. So for homework, um, so sorry, for using the video lessons for things like homework, but also for cover, etc. But absolutely, as you say, seeing more and more teachers using it for lesson planning uh, and curriculum planning. We also see it for lesson delivery. So um, a teacher might use a clip um, of one of the videos as part of that. They might. Um, bring up our quizzes onto the whiteboard and do uh, an interactive kind of session uh, with their pupils kind of doing the quiz live in, in the classroom. And we've got worksheets, so teachers will print off and do those. Um, but we also see other like really interesting uses coming through as well. So one is around professional development um, and that works for a whole variety of different teachers. So sometimes and we heard through our evaluation um where a teacher is teaching something outside of their specialism so for example uh we heard we heard from a teacher who was a biology teacher but by, by background but their school had moved to a policy where they had to teach biology physics and chemistry and so they came on to oak to learn about and see and, and build up their subject expertise and knowledge on uh, on physics and chemistry so they could feel confident delivering that I also have um, a live case study in my own house, uh, literally in the other room here. Uh, my partner has just done a big career change and moved away from working in the food industry to becoming a primary school teacher. Uh, and she is right at the start of her, of her career, literally in her first term. And so when she is uh, having to work out how to deliver her first lesson on teaching fronted adverbials, she can go on to Oak and watch another high quality experienced teacher and look at their explanation and think, ah, how, how am I going to teach that myself? And that is supporting and alongside the brilliant support she gets from her school and her teacher training organisation, but just gives her another kind of string in that bow of development as well. OK, I mean, um, when Mary was on earlier, I don't know whether you heard all of that, but Mary, one of the one of the things that, that the NEU is saying, quite strongly is about the pedagogy so mr ellis has texted mr ellis says right, tom just checking in if you're still with us there mr rogers 
I'm here. It could be my Wi-Fi now. I don't know. Ding, can you hear me? Uh, Jonathan, are you still with us? I, I am, and I can hear Tom clearly. Nathan, that okay, could be your sorry, Wi-Fi. Just checking in there. That could be your Wi-Fi. Don't worry. Um, so I was saying that 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 one of the things that Mr. Ellis has texted in uh, at the moment, he's he said, um, lessons are not PowerPoints. We have been conditioned to teach off Twinkle and art PowerPoints and praise for doing so for over a decade now. There's now a generation of teachers who know no better than uh, making presentation PowerPoint presentations is a lesson. Now, do, do, do you sort of sympathise with that criticism? Or would you just say, well, no, hang on, it's just a resource in the collection? Um, I actually do really understand that and sympathise that quite a lot. So let me unpack that a little bit. And this is also gets back to the point of why we're doing this work to recreate what we've got. Um, so what we have currently was created by a brilliant set of over 500 teachers at the height of the pandemic very quickly. It is really good and teachers value it. But it was created quickly and designed first and foremost for remote um, teaching. Um, and kind of the, that video lesson. What we want to do now is create a set of resources that are much more flexible and much more adaptable to allow teachers to use them in the classroom for delivery. That, so can you give us an example of that in sort of what you've got planned and what, what's going to happen? Yeah, so one of the things that we need to think about is how do you um, encourage and, uh, and give signals to teachers about, and this goes right to the point of, of, of what Mary was saying earlier, of when is it that you need to think about how you're going to deliver this lesson? What are the techniques that you want to deliver? What's your pedagogy? Um, and how are you going to get pupils participating in that? So that could be prompts uh, for start a discussion with your class. It could be um, prompts for different and, and examples of different types of activities that you could do. But one of the things we've got to be careful about here is it's not our job to design that for teachers. We don't know your class. We don't know the kids in your class. So we've got to be really careful that we don't actually go too far with that stuff. Um, and we let teachers decide that because they are best placed and that's their expertise. That's the kind of key bit of professionalism that we've got to support teachers to develop and not to undermine is to, for them to make those choices on what's going to work best for the kids in front of them because they know those kids and we don't. But in terms of the actual, the actual content, I mean, is the actual product going to change in, in any radical sense or, or will it remain, but you'll just build on what's there? And so we're going to recreate. So let's, that's a really good question. So let's go back to that. So like, what we're going to do is we're going to recreate um, all of the content that we have on Oak, but we're going to do that over a slower period over the next three years, making sure we're taking a lot more time to get that really good. That means we'll start off with a really high good, sorry, really high quality curriculum sequence um, that carefully shows the progression through the different topics um, and how and how pupils will kind of build on those blocks to learn. For each of those um, building blocks, um, there'll be obviously various units and then lessons. And then for each lesson, there'll be a set of resources. So slide decks, quizzes, worksheets, and videos. So similar um, in terms of the kind of product output, but the content of that will be designed very carefully to support um, in-class delivery and it'll be supported uh, and developed in a way that teachers can adapt it more easily um, and kind of flex with it to suit their needs. Okay. Okay. Cause I mean, one of the, one of, I guess one of the sort of, you know, it's something I raised actually with 
with uh, Mary earlier, and I'll ask the same question to you. I guess it, my question was, if, and this was more a question to the critics who say, talk about it on a pedagogical approach of saying, it's the style of it. It's the style of the sort of direct instruction, tasked with PowerPoint, explanation, quiz, you know, attach worksheet to download, that sort of model. And, and number one, I guess they see that as quite simplistic. But number two, they don't sort of see that as something that's particularly innovative or creative. It doesn't, for example, I think Mary mentioned group work or collaboration. It doesn't enable students to, you know, explore material in a sense. My question to her was, well, what would we do instead? Um, but equally, I guess, you know, th there is that argument that, that it is a, it, it's something that isn't particularly, I don't know, like, I'm trying to think of the phrasing mm. of it, but, you know, some people would not see it as innovative enough to warrant the price tag. That's what the critics would see it as. So I understand that. But again, I think the, the really important point here is that Oak is not a finished product because the finished product is a lesson and only a teacher can design that lesson. What we're giving them is a foundation and some building blocks which help and support them to do that. But it is absolutely right, exactly as Mary says, that sometimes you're going to want to prompt uh, a really vivid and, and great debate and discussion in your class. Sometimes you're going to want some groups to be working together to kind of solve a problem. Sometimes you're going to want to do a whole bunch of um, demonstrations uh, in your class. You're going to have music and you say you want our kids to, to sing, to play. Um, you can't necessarily do all of that through what we provide. But that's why what, what Oak is, is a toolbox for which you can take the bits that you need to build yeah. your lessons from. It is not going to be uh, the, the full the full package yeah i mean that was sort of my my argument to mary was that i'm not sure what you know given the current sort of technology we have available and and the constraints around safeguarding and things like that i'm not sure what else whether whether it's good enough or not that's not the issue i mean the issue for me is what can anyone else do that's better if that makes it i mean i don't know the answer to that but just on face value unless you were to create some sort of ai environment which i'm guessing would cost a lot more money than than the current sort of budget uh you know unless you could do that i'm not sure what else you could do different to what to what's currently on offer yeah and, and, and like just to come back to your point on on cost here as well is that like this is First and foremost, uh, the biggest part of our, of our budget is going into investing in content. So it's investing in schools, it's investing in public associations and educational organizations to share and develop what they have. Um, that's going to create around about 15,000 lessons. And as I say, works out about the equivalent of £600 per school um, for a breadth that will cover all subjects from every key stage um, as well, from, from key stage one to key stage four. So I, I, I think when you say so when you say six hundred pounds per school, do you mean what do you mean by that exactly? Um, so uh, Oak's budget is, as you say, forty three million pounds um, over three years. Divide that by three and divide that by about twenty four thousand, uh, which is the number of schools in a year. It works out the equivalent of about six, less than six hundred pounds. But is that schools who use Oak, or is that just the total? No, number that's, of that's the total number of schools. Um, but you know, but because but, obviously there would be that, 
yeah, there would be that argument that I think forty five percent on the, the the sort of I'm I'm just reading an article that was published by by Tez about this, and and I think a, a, a private company did a did a survey on it or something, and it came out there that under half of all schools in England, forty five percent use Oak resources at some point during twenty one twenty two academic year. So would you then halve that figure that you've just said? It, 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 obviously, it depends how you want to cut the figures. That's totally yeah. fine. Uh, that's, that's, that's another way of, of, of looking at it. But I think the argument that was being made was um, we should take this money that exists and we should remove it from Oak and we should give it to schools. And I was saying, well, if you did that, what you yeah. would do is you'd give about £580 um, to every school. In yeah, the country. school. Yeah. I guess they would say, yeah, okay, then, you know, they'd say they'd use that 580, but, 600 or whatever it would be on something else. But that's maybe. Yeah, but, but I suppose my, my argument here is like, um, like, it's really important that we give more money to schools. And like the, the everyone, like everyone was um, surprised and, and, and pleasantly surprised that, that, that um, you know, in the, in the autumn statement, there was, you know, a really um, uh, increase in in funding going to schools that's really important two point i think it was 2.4 billion pounds a year extra going to schools that's very necessary and really welcomed we can do that and do oak like it doesn't have to be one or the other and um, particularly when you compare those two costs right 2.4 billion per year extra going into schools is absolutely right 43 million pounds going on to oak if we also invest in a whole bunch of other things to support teachers across the country we invest in national professional qualifications um in ITT and we do a whole bunch of other things to support teachers and make sure there are a whole bunch of other things around that go around the, around the ecosystem of schools. Oak is one of the, a small number of those things um, and actually costs very little in comparison, but I appreciate um, that like, at the moment, schools are facing significant press- pressures and the most important thing is that uh, we've seen that increase in school funding and long may that continue. Jonathan, it's been absolutely brilliant um, chatting to you. Thank you ever so much for coming on and, and sort of um, being a good sport with with the questioning and, and, and answering it as best you can. I've also got to say a massive thanks to Caroline uh, and to Mary, who came on earlier in the show. This will be available to download as a podcast uh, probably tomorrow uh, through the Teachers Talk Radio website if you just hit listen back. Um, if you missed any of it or you want to go back and listen to some of it again, then you can do. Uh, big thanks uh, to our partners for the show, which is John Cat Educational and the Witherslack Group. If you want to find out more about them, uh, you have Witherslack Group uh, pinned to the space at the top. Uh, you can click on that and sign up for some of their upcoming events, which are completely free, or most of them are. Um, and also John Cat, um, if you want to visit John Cat, uh, johncatbookshop.com and see what they've got. They've got some really exciting new releases that you should definitely uh, check out. And they've got some discounts on those at the moment, too. Um, so big shout out to them. Uh, Sarah is coming up in about three minutes time for her debut show on Teachers Talk Radio. If you want to listen to that, you just click on the website, click Listen Live and then click the play button. And you can listen to Sarah, who is starting in a few minutes time um, through the website. Uh so, yeah, I just want to say, finally, thanks ever so much to Nathan for admining and everybody for tuning in this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure as usual. I will be back actually in two weeks' time because Carl Pupe is on next Monday for his second show on Teachers Talk Radio. Uh, really looking forward to that one uh, after his first show last week. Uh, or not last week, the week before last, which was which was brilliant. So he'll be back next Monday. I'll be back in two weeks' time. 
Uh, thanks all, and keep tuning in and talking it out. And uh, yeah, thank you very much, and good night. Thank you, Jonathan. Goodbye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.